0: What's up, Dolphins fans? It is Monday, October 25th, and your Miami Dolphins are 1-6. and Another loss, six in a row for the Dolphins, this time at the hands of the Atlanta Falcons. A last-second field goal for the second consecutive weeks has the Dolphins reeling, in addition to the rumor mill, in addition to some reports at the beginning of the weekend regarding what the Dolphins' play-calling structure looked like all of that and more today on Locked On Dolphins.
1: You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, director scouting at DraftNetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. And if this isn't one of the most challenging seasons that I can remember uh, in my adulthood, which has been largely filled with nothing but challenging seasons uh, for the Miami Dolphins, I don't. I have very few that would take the cake over top of this, and we're going to get into some of why that is. Want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first listen of the day today, uh, as we are kind of regrouping once again another week in the books uh the miami dolphins falling 30 to 28 at the hands of the atlanta falcons at hard rock stadium um there are some good things to take away from this game most notably the dolphins had 413 yards of offense they had 27 first downs they were 7 of 11 on third down they rushed the ball for 132 yards, possessed the football for 35 minutes, and they did not lose the turnover battle. They won the yardage, they won the first down, they won the time of possession, and they lost the football game. And uh, that's pretty disheartening because you looked at this stretch of games with Tua Tonga Valoa coming back, and obviously this is a big evaluation period for him. And the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Atlanta Falcons were two games that you pointed to and said, Miami's got a good chance of winning both of those games, and they've lost them both on a last-second field goal, which uh, is not on any one given player, but I think you look at everything that happened today, and there's a lot of fault or on Sunday, there's a lot of fault to be placed at the feet of a lot of people. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, one of the more prominent measures, at least at the college football and from a gambling perspective, is the middle eight. And what the middle eight is, it is, it is the final four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes Of the second half. And that middle eight minutes of the football game is a very popular window to look at where teams are winning those last second possessions and opportunities to double dip. And the Dolphins lost the middle eight by a score of 10 to nothing in this football game. And if you extend it and make it nine minutes and do the final five minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half, uh, they lost that window seventeen to nothing. Two touchdowns from Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley with one. They went ten plays, sixty-one yards in five oh nine. Uh, Young hui Koo with a six, uh, a thirty-six-yard field goal, six plays, sixty-two yards in thirty-two seconds to get a field goal at the end of the half. Uh, and then a 49-yard touchdown pass from Matt Ryan to Russell Gage, three plays, 77 yards in one minute and seven seconds. If you lose the middle eight slash nine minutes of the football game, 17 to nothing, and you win the rest of it, 28 to 13, you drop the ball, and, and that is you know, pretty prevalent and and right in line with uh, the performance that we got from Preston Williams on Sunday, who. Uh, had several drops, and then you take into account the miscommunications, the penalties, uh, and it just makes me want to pull my hair out, uh, unfortunately. But but as I kind of think about everything that happened, special teams, blocked field goal, you lose by two points, coaching. Some of the penalties, you were the more penalized football team once again. Uh, you, for the life of you, could not handle losing Jerome Baker in this football game. We had Elan and Roberts out there playing Mike, trying to robot technique and hunt deep crossers from Kyle Pitts across the middle of the field, and never got any other look for any other player in that area of the field. Go back and watch any Kyle Pitts reception between the hashes, and you are going to see Elan and Roberts turn and run and try to hunt the crosser. And by the time he gets his eyes turned around and gets his hips completely flipped to carry the crosser, Kyle Pitts is five yards beyond him, and the route is uncapped. And Kyle Pitts is wide open, which is how he finishes the day with seven receptions for 163 yards on eight targets. And that is the first place that I want to get up on my soapbox here on today's show. Because after this game t- game to a close, Jamar Chase had 200 receiving yards for the Cincinnati Bengals in a win, a big win over the Baltimore Ravens. Kyle Pitts in this football game, seven for 130, or 163, including posterizing Xavier Howard on the perimeter uh, on the final drive that set the Falcons up to kick the game-winning field goal. Meanwhile, Jalen Waddle On 18 target or eight targets, had seven receptions for 83 yards. Looked very good, looked very explosive yet again. And I see a number of guys that cover this football team. And I'm I'm not typically a confrontational uh, guy, but you know, I I see guys like Barry Jackson and Armando Salguero after the game, and they are just hammering the selection of Jalen Waddell. Because Kyle Pitts blew up today, Jamar Chase blew up today, and both of those guys are outproducing Jalen Waddle. To which I I would just ask you
2: to watch the football game and tell me we have a Jalen Waddle problem. I get everybody's going to point to Kyle Pitts and
0: how athletic he is. And they're going to say, wow, this, this was a unicorn of an athlete, right? And Kyle Pitts, 6'6", ran a 4'4", 5", inch vert, 10 feet, 9 inch broad jump, seven one two three 3-cone drill, 22 reps on the bench press, 245 pounds, 98th percentile in wingspan, just a freak athlete amongst freak athletes. How could the dolphins trade out of three and, and not draft Kyle Pitts, as if you don't already have a freak athlete tight end on the roster who has better athletic testing nearly across the board other than the 40 time in Mike Gasecki? already on the roster, and the Dolphins play him on 64% of the snaps. Do we really think this offensive staff, which has stumbled through the first month of the season, and that's another storyline, because Dave Hyde came out on Friday and reported that Charlie Fry was not just relaying the plays in for the first four weeks of the season. He had final call on the play call and was the play caller For the first month of the season. By the way. The Dolphins did not surpass 300 yards of offense. In regulation. In any of those four football games. None of them. They made the change for Tampa. They were up over 300 against Tampa. Could not run the football to save their life. And they've been up over 400 yards. In each of the last two weeks. We'll repeat. Dave Hyde on Friday reported that. Charlie Fry, he of three years of collegiate coaching experience and no years of NFL coaching experience, was the guy they gave final play calling say to for the first month of the season. Not just relaying the play in on the headset. Final say on the plays. And one of those three years of collegiate coaching experience was as a coach at Ashland University. And you're trying to develop a young quarterback?
2: And that's who you think? Yeah, let's give that guy the final say calling plays. How? But I digress. You've got an athlete to the
0: same degree as what Kyle Pitts is, and you don't play him more than two out of every three plays because he can't play with his hand in the dirt. Are we really going to sit here and pretend that if the Dolphins had two of that exact same kind of
2: player, they were going to know what to do with Really? So we're going to sit here and hammer the dolphins for trading
0: out of three and drafting Jalen Waddle, who they had higher rank than both of those guys and go back and listen to what Brian Flores had to say after they made the pick. They'd obviously already signed Will Fuller. They draft Jalen Waddle. They're asked about the dynamics of improving the running game. And they say, well, you know, we really think with speed on the field vertically, we can change the dynamics of box counts and improve the run game by extension of having so much more speed on the field. So why does Jalen Waddle have an average distance, a depth of target of 5.3 yards per target on the year? Don't sit here and make it seem like we have a Jalen Waddle problem on our hands. That's an asinine. You really going to sit here and pretend that if you took Ch- uh, Jamar Chase, who's playing in Cincinnati for an offensive head coach and playing with his college quarterback and you transplanted him into this offense. Who we've had multiple NFL quarterbacks watch the tape over the first six weeks of the season and say, "Yeah, I really don't know what they're trying to accomplish. There's no rhyme or reason to anything they do offensively." And you put him where he's not—he doesn't have the pre-existing chemistry that he has with Joe Burrow. He's not playing for an offensive-minded head coach, and you think Jamar Chase is going to be the Jamar Chase you see in Cincinnati? Jalen Waddle had like an average distance of touchdown in college of like 20 re- touchdown receptions of like 45 yards per touchdown. And his average depth of target for the year is 5.3 yards. And you want to make it seem like we dropped the ball at some grand missed opportunity? Kyle Pitts's depth of target on Sunday was 16.8 yards. Jamar Chase's was 11.9. Jalen Waddle's was 6.3. You want to know why those guys are lapping? Jalen Waddle in production, it's not because Jalen Waddle's a bad football player. They drop the ball by drafting him. It's because everything that they do is in the flats, and it's within eight yards of the line of scrimmage. For the year, Jamar Chase's average depth of target is 15.2 yards. Kyle Pitts's is 10.4, and Waddle's is 5.3. So for the year, Jamar Chase's average target is three times further down the field than Jalen Waddle's. Don't sit here and act like the Dolphins have a bad player. They have no idea offensively what they're doing. And that's not Jalen Waddle's fault, and we should not penalize Jalen Waddle, the Miami Dolphin, and the football player, or cast shade or doubt or criticism. He's one of the few guys who shows up every week and cares and plays his ass off. This team is bad enough. We don't need to create false fires and pour gasoline on them. There's plenty of storylines to talk about, guys. We don't have to sit here and make shit up. It's wild to me that that's a storyline off of this game. Why? Because you looked at the box score and saw Jamar Chase had 200 yards and Waddle, quote-unquote, only had 83 when he got no looks further than 12 yards downfield and all of them but one were within eight yards of the line of scrimmage because we have him running bubbles, despite the fact that when we drafted him, we said his vertical component is going to improve the entire offense and you don't even have Will Fuller to run the vertical routes.
2: So what are we doing? Don't make this about Jalen Waddle. And you can't tell
0: me you could transplant those other guys into this offense with this structure, with these coaches, and you're going to get the players that you're seeing play for other teams. Arthur Smith, the head coach of the Falcons, another offensive-minded head coach, is the master class in 12 personnel and two
2: tight end usage. And he's got Hayden Hurst, a former first-round pick, and Kyle Pitts, a top-five pick. This team is struggling offensively, conceptually, to understand what they're doing. Now,
0: granted, we've seen the best version of it two consecutive weeks, but you also play Jacksonville and Atlanta.
2: But you can't look me dead in the eye. You can't watch the football game and tell me
0: you would expect that if Miami drafted, stayed at three and drafted Jamar Chase or drafted Kyle Pitts, They get the version that Atlanta and Cincinnati is seeing with this coaching staff. At some point, we have to acknowledge the offensive coaching staff for a defensive-minded head coach is not taking care of their business. And we shouldn't penalize the player
2: who's been one of the few bright spots for this team week in and week out for that. Listen up, Dolphins fans. Got a great bit of news for you.
0: I want to tell you guys about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Because I think about a lot of the narrative that existed around what Miami should do with that early pick. And you know what everybody said we needed to do back in January, including the guys uh, who I'd previously mentioned? In January, it was Devontae Smith, Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith won the Heisman. Got to draft Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith didn't get drafted either. And Devontae Smith's been fine.
2: But Devontae Smith is also not doing what Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle have. Let's talk about Tua Tagovailoa because this was uh, a, another
0: nuanced storyline that we saw unfold for the Dolphins on Sunday, where everything kind of felt weird. To be honest, you know, it's it, we're in the pregame process, and I know there were a lot of skeptical Dolphins fans regarding the Deshaun Watson rumors, and they said, "I'm going to believe it when Ian Rapoport or Adam Schefter." those guys start reporting Well, Ian Rapoport on Sunday said he's now expecting, and this is just a couple of days after he said he saw nothing imminent, uh, he's now reporting that he expects a trade is going to get done for Deshaun Watson before the deadline on November 2nd. And then Jay Glazer comes out on Fox, who's highly repu- reputable, and apparently anybody who's calling the response is, you have to beat the Dolphins' offer, according to Jay Glazer. And then there's this exchange and embrace with Dan Marino and Tua Tonga-Valoa on the field, like an oddly long and poignant and emotional kind of hug with pat on the head, and a pat on the butt. and Like, it, it, all of those things in the pregame were uh, just, just kind of Felt off, to be honest. And then Tua comes out, and he plays uh, another game in which you could make a case for this to be winning football, with the exception of the two throws. And when I went through the, the laundry list of blame that exists with guys like Preston Williams, who had four targets and, and five one catch for five yards uh, and multiple drops on those other targets, or Elan Roberts with his inability to effectively cover the middle of the field despite the fact that the Dolphins continuously asked him to do so, or the special teams with the blocked field goal, or the penalties that were ill-timed, or the coaching with the middle eight, slash some of the player usage. Tua also deserves some blame for the loss. Generally speaking, he was 32-40 of for 291 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions, was sacked one time for a 10-yard loss, and a quarterback rating of 109.5. He helped the Dolphins score 14 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to take a 28-27 lead with two and a half minutes left. He played well enough to win the football game. But he also threw two interceptions, one in the red zone and the other one on the first play after a Falcons turnover, both of which were in scoring range for the Dolphins. Two mind boggling decisions. The first one in the red zone looked like a corner route to Durham Smythe.
2: The route was capped. There were three defenders in zone coverage. You can't throw that ball. You cannot. The second in the grasp, in the pocket, blindly throws it up in the middle of the field.
0: Uh, it wasn't in the same area of the field, but it reminded me of the interception against the Patriots last year, which was in the red zone. The J.C. Jackson interception on the opening possession against the Patriots last year in Miami. You can't do it. You have potential to monumentally
2: swing the momentum of the game and put yourself in a great position You can't throw that football. Now, I loved how he bounced back. Uh, They went nine plays, 90 yards,
0: and 422 to cut it to 27-21, and then they went 40 yards after they stripped Matt Ryan in nine plays in three minutes and 27 seconds uh, through a strike in the back of the end zone to Matt Collins. He was 12 of 15 from 10 to 20 yards downfield. Uh, one of those interceptions, it was the target to Durham Smythe. But generally speaking, the intermediate airfield, he was very effective, but did not attempt a single pass further downfield in 20 yards. And again, I go, through, go back to thinking about what Brian Flores said after the draft about the thought process and adding Jalen Waddell and adding Will Fuller, and it's the speed dynamic, and threatening teams vertically is going to loosen everything up. They did not, they have not done that. And I'm sorry, but Tua had a fair amount of time. The offensive line did not play a bad football game again. There were bad individual moments, bad holding penalties, Austin Jackson, again. But the offensive line, I mean, he's been sacked once in the last two games, and he has navigated pressure well, Tua Tungvaloa has. And I thought, generally speaking, there was a lot of positives to take out of this game from Tua's perspective, but he is not without his share, fair share, of the blame for the loss because he had two turnovers in scoring position for the Dolphins that took at least
2: six points off the board in a two-point loss. If all of this other
0: stuff did not exist, you could extrapolate so many things to be excited about. But I take what we heard on Sunday from Ian Rappaport and what we heard on Sunday from Jay Glazer and what we heard on Sunday from Tua after the game. And apparently Charlie Fry said, you know, the rumors, he hears it, I changed his regimen this week uh, to keep him in the fill room and keep him preoccupied and distracted. Like that's really good for the mental health of a, a young quarterback. Apparently Brian Flores talked to Tua Velo about it. And I also take that, and I and take what Jeff Darlington, who if you're a Dolphins fan, there should be nobody on the national scale whose word, opinion, and reporting means more to you than Jeff Darlington. He's one of the best of the best. And he went on Ryan Rossilio's podcast, I think it was Friday, and was asked about the Deshaun Watson rumors and Jeff Darlington uh, affirmed what we had heard from a number of different outlets, which at this point in time, the only place Deshaun Watson has told the Houston Texans he's going to waive his trade, no trade clause for is the Miami Dolphins. And then he was asked about the relationship between Brian Flores and Tua Valoa, And it was the analogy that Jeff made that made my jaw drop. Uh, and, and he compared it to John Elway and Tim Tebow who everybody really loved Tim, great intangibles, great leader, great person, so easy to like. And John Elway, Tim, or Tim Tebow won a playoff game, beat the Steelers in the playoffs for the Denver Broncos, and they got rid of him that offseason. Because John Elway, and this was what Jeff Darlington had said, could not get rid of him fast enough for a quote-unquote more legitimate quarterback. And that is the parallel and the comparison that Jeff Darlington made for the relationship with
2: Brian Flores and Tua tonga And that is very damning, and it leaves me
0: in not a good place of confidence that for those of us in the fan base that are very invested in seeing the Dolphins see this thing through with the number 5 overall pick that they invested just a year and a half ago. My confidence in that happening is very low. And now we're starting to hear from the most legitimate cream of the crop
2: national guys in Rappaport. Trades expected to happen before the deadline. And I know that
0: Carolina benched Sam Darnold yesterday and Carolina has been another team that's been rumored, but I got bad news for dolphins fans who hope that Deshaun Watson goes to Carolina because Carolina beats Miami's offer. I don't think Carolina is physically possible, capable, of beating a Miami Dolphins offer. Because the Dolphins have three first-round picks in the next two years, and that is the reported cornerstone
2: of a trade package for Watson, is three ones. Carolina has two. They don't have a third. They can
0: offer three, but you got to wait three years for it. Miami can offer the return sooner. And if you're going to throw second-round picks in there, Miami's second-round pick this year is higher than Carolina's. So you can guarantee the Texans two top 40 picks in each of the next two drafts if you offer three ones, a two this year, and whatever else. I don't see how Carolina beats that offer because they don't have three ones in the next two years. Maybe they start throwing players in here, but you know what Miami's going to have to do if they do bring Watson in, clear up some space. One way to do that, player we talked about last week, potentially being on the trade block, who's requested a trade from the Dolphins several times, and reportedly has interest from the Houston Texans, and that's Zavian Howard.
2: I don't know how they beat. I don't know how Carolina beats an offer.
0: And I know that's not really what anybody wants to hear right now, but as I'm sitting here after this game, it's everything, it's coaching, it's execution. It's, it's a number of players that are, are handcuffing the team. Um, And with because of all that, it, it blew my mind that we were trying to make stories and create more fires of criticism and outrage. And listen, I, I know dolphins fans. If you're anything like me, you're, You're baffled, you're frustrated. I'm not hurt anymore. They can't hurt me anymore this season. It's kind of settled in that this is what it's going to be. So I'm disappointed in the loss today, but I'm not hurt by it like I normally would be. Uh, But I want to know, I, I want as much context as
2: I can get on whose feet the blame falls for where we're at. And there's a lot of blame to go around. So let's not make up
0: more outrage than needs to be had. Chris Greer had plenty of missteps
2: along the way. 2020, Austin Jackson, Noah Benogany, we've talked about it a million times. And if you want to get into the decision with the number five overall pick,
0: I mean, if this is the relationship that exists with Tua and, and, and Brian Flores, you got to wonder how you came to make this decision in the first place. And whoever influenced that decision, now reaping, the, uh, reaping
2: what they sowed to come to the conclusion that they did. There's very little... That from a coaching staff perspective,
0: we've seen be good for Miami right now. The last two weeks
2: offensively have been effective in spurts, not sustained. A couple bad turnovers, ill-timed turnovers. The second quarter got us again. We were outscored
0: 13 to nothing in the second quarter. We scored on the opening script. Hey, if you want to make some easy money, put some money down that the Dolphins are going to score on their opening possession of the game. Got that on a prop.
2: Knocked it out of the park. Didn't score again in the first half. There's a lot of blame to go around. But the
0: few bright spots that we have, we got to cling to those guys. And that's what we're going to go over here last on the show. But not before I tell you guys about a incredible app who everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It's called GetUpside. Listeners are making up to $0.25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. They get up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. People who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, e-gift cards, such as Amazon or other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. Built Bar's a protein bar that tastes... Like Candy Bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They got 100% chocolate in other bars. They're absolutely, positively delicious. If you had the number three overall pick, you definitely wouldn't trade out of it. And pass on Bilt Bar. So when you're looking for something that's keto-friendly, something delicious, something to grab and go, midnight snack, meal replacement, you name it, Bilt Bar can be it. You can visit BiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, and say 15%. Off your next order, that's Billbar.com promo code LOCK15 to say 15% off your next order.
2: So who are the bright spots for the Dolphins? Uh, I think, generally speaking, to a tongue of a low, if I had to put a grade
0: on his game against Atlanta, I'd give him a, a solid B. And I think I'd have given him a B+, plus or an A- minus against Jacksonville.
2: Pretty solid performances for a young quarterback is it too little too late I don't know I can't say that with certainty Mike Isecki uh, again we need to pay this man we need to stop playing him on
0: only 65 percent of the snaps he was targeted eight times had seven catches for 85 yards and a touchdown he and Waddle combined Had 16 targets. They caught 14 balls between the two of them for 168 yards and a touchdown.
2: Those are your best players. Make sure they get the football every week. Waddle, another strong performance. Again, the
0: narrative that the Dolphins dropped the ball with drafting Jalen Waddle is laughable to me. You cannot compare him. Because the other two are in situations with offensive-minded coaches who are very clearly carving out the fine roles. By the way, Kyle Pitts came into this this game against Miami, and he had a 10% higher snap rate for the season for the Falcons than Mike Gusecki had for the Dolphins. 75% of the snaps, Kyle Pitts is on the field for the Falcons. 64% coming into this game for the Dolphins with Mike Gusecki. But go ahead and tell me more about how the Dolphins screwed up by not drafting a second kind of that kind of player. Don't even know how to use the one that they have. Instead, Durham Smythe's taken 50-something per- percent
2: of the snaps. He's being asked to run a corner route down in the red zone because he put his hand in the dirt. Javon Holland, uh, he had a sack in this football game. He had a tackle for loss, pass defensed.
0: Uh, he was one step away on a hit over the middle from Calvin Ridley from forcing a fumble on on a a deep completion. Uh, He and Zabin Howard did have a mix-up on the
2: Russell Gage touchdown. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know who to blame for that. But generally
0: speaking, I thought Javon Holland played a good football game for the Dolphins. Uh, he got a little work on, on punt returns. He had 16-yard punt return as well. Uh, so very active game for him. I thought the guys up front, I thought Liam Eikenberg in the run game really moved guys well. thought Robert Hunt moved guys well. Uh, we did not have Greg Manns for this game. Austin Ryder came in, and uh, they didn't skip a beat. So I respect the fact and then the effort that he put forward there. Uh, guys that would give Stocktown to just off the surface level Viewing, Uh, Eric Rowe, we observed last week how his snap usage had dipped to 41 snaps defensively over the last two weeks before this game. Uh, He was much more active, and I wish that they'd have used other people in
2: assignments against Kyle Pitts because he got bullied. Xavier Howard, he had an interception. He had several passes defensed. He stayed pretty sticky. Uh, In coverage, I think it was against Cordell Patterson on a couple of those targets, but um,
0: did not think this was his best football game. He got ran past by Kyle Pitts on the big completion in the final possession. He got ran past by Russell Gage on the 49-yard touchdown. Elan and Roberts, you could put anybody else in there, and I think you'd get better pass coverage potential than what you saw from him in that game uh Preston Williams you can put anybody in there Malcolm Brown don't know why he was designed to be the the featured back early on before he left with an injury early in the game uh he had four touches of the football for nine yards I understand he's effective in pass pro but we should probably put a cap on that one and move on. Meanwhile, Miles Gaskin, 15 carries for 67 yards uh, and four catches, or four catches for 10 yards and a touchdown. 19
2: touches for almost 80 yards. So that's the uh, the, the quick stock up, stock down.
0: Hope you guys enjoyed Locked On Dolphins here. We have a, a lot of storylines that we're going to be following. We, we have to follow this Deshaun Watson stuff now. The trade deadline's in about a week. And the reports are, are getting very serious. And it's from the big-time featured national guys now reporting that a trade is going to happen. And I think about the embrace that Dan and Tua had on the field the comments Charlie Fry had about you know, the, the rumors, Tua himself acknowledging he hears the rumors. And if this doesn't happen, then shame on Miami for putting their young quarterback in this situation where they, they did not ease his mind more and do more. Because you know what? I heard Matt Rule Matt was asked about uh, Sam Darnold And uh, the rumors with Deshaun Watson. And the contrast between what Matt Rule, who's the head coach in Carolina, and Brian Flores at this point have said about when they were asked, could not be further from the truth. And I'm sure this is the Belichick school of thought from a media perspective. But Pat Leonard, I asked Matt Rule with Deshaun Watson available to trade deadline. If the Panthers would do due diligence, and he said, quote, I haven't done work on anyone else, and I believe Sam Darnold will be a great quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. More Matt Rule on Sam Darnold. I'm bought in on Sam. My biggest thing is making sure that me and Sean Ryan and Joe Brady do a better job of putting Sam in the best position. He's my focus, and I expect him to play his best football going forward. I am not looking
2: anywhere else. And then you contrast that to what Brian Flores was asked on Friday
0: about the rumors uh, with Tua aloha." And I'm scrolling through to make sure I I pick up on this and I get the right quote here because the the difference in the tone and the messaging and the verbiage, um, listen to what he said. I don't really get into rumors. Two is our quarterback. We're happy with our quarterback situation, and I'll leave it at that, which I've said multiple times. If this doesn't happen, and I'm inclined to think that it does, but if it doesn't happen and that's your messaging and this this is what you've asked your young quarterback to go through versus the endorsement that Sam Darnold got from Matt rule, can't help but wonder if he wouldn't look back on that and think he could have done some things differently there too. But then again, I think that's why Jeff Darlington's words this past weekend on the Ryan Rossilio show uh, are very important for us to bear in mind. It's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Dolphins. Like I said, a lot of storylines for us to watch. A lot to stay plugged into, so make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. I'm going to be there with you every step of the way, your team, every day. Kyle Krabs, fins up. Make it a great day, and I'll talk to you guys again tomorrow.